Even after RBI's digital lending norms become effective on December 1, the fintech industry is still awaiting clarity on several issues. While most fintechs have made technical, procedural and other adjustments to their operation to comply with the digital lending norms, it has increased their compliance cost and created more disruptions. This has also led to fintechs being more selective and cautious in their business approach. Welcome to the BL podcast. In this podcast, I'm joining with Ansika, principal correspondent business line, who will explain us the whole issue faced by the fintechs. Can you tell us briefly about the RBI's digital lending norms? Uh, has there been a shift in the fintech world with the new guidelines? Uh, yes, for sure. Uh, so the guidelines were, of course, in themselves a big move by the RBI, but they've been talking about the digital norms and the guidelines for a while, for at least this entire of 2022. And you've had a series of norms come in, including, you know, for uh, prepaid instruments and for credit card issuers and for account aggregators. And these were another set of norms in those series. They were really big because you've seen the fintech industry grow significantly over a couple of quarters. And uh, you had this really big surge in sort of uh, digital lending coming in. And then, of course, because of that, you had a lot of issues of uh, customer grievances in terms of a lot of fintechs were giving loans without the right backing or without sort of uh, the right uh, regulated entity or they weren't disclosing the kind of uh, interest rates they're charging or the kind of terms and conditions of the loans that they're giving. Um, because of which there was a lot of, uh, while the industry was growing, there were also an equal number of rise in customer complaints which is why RBI finally took cognizance. And a lot of these uh, digital lending norms then were, you know, about uh, customer awareness and uh, protecting customers and uh, creating a standardized norms for all the digital lenders and making and putting the onus on regulated entities. RBI can ensure that uh, the right entities are controlling who loans or who credit is being extended to and extended by, which has sort of ensured. So a lot of uh, uh, these norms were around, uh, you know, KYC compliance, onboarding of new customers, grievance redressal mechanisms, demarcating and identifying who the lender is in these loans, data storage, and uh, also uh, co-lending norms, even collections and recoveries. The biggest hit that came in, though, was uh, to do with the RBI banning sort of uh, prepaid wallet uh, issuers to sort of uh, directly give loans in the wallets or the accounts of customers and made sure that it only can be transferred from a bank account to a bank account which ensured uh, from that means from the lender's account to the customer's account and you can't have an escrow account in the middle which meant that a lot of these fintech companies that didn't really have a lending license but were extending loans in the name of other lenders or other NBFCs or other institutions that they were working with that had to all stop but uh, most of the other players that already had NBFC license were more or less had to do the guidelines had do more with you know operational back end and making sure that the customers are protected so with regard to the digital lending norms what are the issues on which fintech startups are awaiting more clarity right uh, so we've seen um, of course a lot of uh, the operational back end and adjustments that had to be made have largely been made the biggest change was in terms of uh, figuring out you know the uh, changing uh, in ex- in the escrow accounts to making sure that the bank accounts are being rolled out so uh, while that has happened and the larger changes have happened there's still a certain amount there's still a few issues which 
where either RBI has not really, you know, specifically come outright and clarified on, or maybe where they, uh, there's a certain amount of ambiguity or where the intent is clear, but uh, fintechs don't really know how to execute it because probably the implementation hasn't been spelled out. One of the biggest issues of this is FLDG, which is the first lost uh, guarantee. And uh, the uh, other issues were sort of like uh, with respect to your customer data and engaging with customers also in terms of uh, creating an SRO, which is being talked about in the industry for some time. And RBI also has been talking about it, which is a self-regulatory organization. Um, so these are some of the issues that they've been talking about. The fintechs are still sort of awaiting clarity on these issues because even though, like I said, the intent is clear, because the execution isn't really in place, it's sort of still disrupting business operations and there's still possibly a lot of some entities that are still operating in the gray area and they don't really know how to go about whether they will have to completely shift their business model or whether uh, if the guidelines are clear, maybe that will help them sort of come back to uh, business faster. Now, can you explain us a bit more about the first loss default guarantee? Yes, sure. So the first FLDG or the first loss default guarantee is basically a sort of a model uh, between fintechs and the other lenders that they are working with, wherein the fintech sort of guarantees a certain amount of compensation to the lenders, which basically means that if, if I'm extending a loan on behalf of a lender as a fintech and the customer defaults on the loan or they're unable to pay back that loan, then what I can do, then what I will have to do as a fintech is give a certain amount of that loss or a certain percentage, whatever has been decided upon to the lender. So what that does is the fintech is absorbing the loss of the of the loan default. So why this was happening was basically the fintechs were taking the onus that we will pay the customers and you just give us the loan, right? So the underwriting was being done by the fintechs. And under this model, uh, lenders didn't have to take on much of the onus because uh, even if the customers didn't sort of pay back the loans, the fintechs were absorbing the losses and the lenders didn't really have to sort of really say a lot of loss. So their credit profile portfolio was growing without really taking on the loss. But I think this is one of the biggest issues that the RBI had an issue with because uh, when fintechs start absorbing losses at their end, it's very difficult to sort of ascertain or uh, even identify where the losses are or uh, which are the customers that are defaulting on loans. So it's also very difficult to track the credit uh, profile of these uh, customers or to track the NPA levels of the uh, lenders, which is something that, you know, RBI is not comfortable with because otherwise they have, this is information that they need to declare publicly. But in because fintechs aren't regulated by RBI, this is something that was seen falling through the loophole. So now, uh, what's the RBI guideline saying about the storage of personal data and how are fintechs following them? So uh, one of the basic issues, uh, the guidelines that uh, Darishal Norm spoke about was the of suppression of data. Where uh, And again, this is an extension of the earlier guidelines that were also issued for credit card issuers, where RBI had said that you know the storage has to be on domestic soil and uh, even uh, foreign companies, if they're storing Indian data, it has to be on this soil or it has to be domestically done. And even for, say, account aggregators, RBI said that they need to have all their customer data in India. And this was sort of an extension of that, where RBI was talking about there needs to be suppression of data, which means that you can't make customer data public or known. However, on the other hand, it also has asked fintechs that you need to audit this data. If, sub- if suppression of data is happening, that data basically needs to be deleted or you know, encrypted so that it's not public. But if... 
it's deleted or encrypted, how do you audit the customer data? How do you audit the transactions that have been done? So both can't coexist together, is what FinTex is saying. And basically, that's the issue that's just coming in in terms of execution. The intent is obviously clear because the RBI wants to protect customer data and ensure that you know, there's no misuse. But, uh, and, and so FinTechs have been implementing it as per their understanding or as per their experience of these norms. But because there's no standardized way of doing it and there's no um, specified guidelines on how you uh, suppress the data and get it audited, there's still sort of discrepancy in terms of how these can be managed. In addition, there were also some sort of minute, uh, you know, minute or minor uh, discrepancies in terms of uh, customer engagement and reaching out to customers where, where the RBI is talking about uh, how you can, you know, not uh, if there are only so many emails or notifications you can send them on a day where it specifies emails and WhatsApp messages and all of that, but it has an specified uh, SMSs or it hasn't specified the number of calls. And so while of course possibly it means the same thing that you can if you can only make so many calls, it doesn't mean you can send 10 SMSs. But because that thing is not specified in the norms, you know, FedEx have been talking about how there are some players who would completely misuse that and still use that as an equal to pester or harass customers and you know, uh, not just extending loans but also for recovery processes. So what what are the business impacts of these lending norms on fintech companies? Right. So like we discussed, the biggest impact has obviously been on fintechs that were, so to say, did not have an NDFC license ever. Uh, so this operating in the gray area where uh, they weren't really disclosing and they were giving zero cost EMIs in the name of, uh, you know, and then charging an interest rate or they were giving uh, point of sale uh, EMI transactions and then charging interest on that later without disclosing how much interest would be charged. There were delays and repayments. Those players have sort of seen the biggest impact because they have completely been cut off and now they can't extend loans anymore. Uh, after these guidelines have come into effect on December, basically uh, you know, being categorized as third party providers now. So they can partner with other lenders, but they can't extend loans on their own. For most of the other players that already had NVFC license, the impact has largely been to do with the compliance and the operational norms. So procedural norms are kind of like we discussed in terms of KYC norms, your compliance, your collections and recoveries, uh, making sure that uh, customer data is protected, having a standardized key fact statement, and you know, declaring the name of the lenders and the exact rate of interest that you'll be charging. So these are more backend and technological changes. But yeah, again, the biggest change has been for possibly the non-NBFC players or the smaller or the newer uh, fintechs that weren't really as well established and didn't really have uh, a very big standing as of now. Okay, so the RBI data uh, states that customer complaints again, digital lenders have tripled in the last two years. So will the RBI digital lending norms help people, you know, develop more trust in fintechs? Definitely, because uh, uh, it does uh, uh, sort of weed out a lot of the bad practices that were happening and ensures that those stop. It also has uh, weeded out the players that were looking to sort of make a quick, make quick money and uh, exploit the customers in the name of giving them instant loans and narrowness, you know. Um, now that the onus is on all the lenders and all the regulated entities, what that will ensure is that they make sure that the customers are aware and are compliant and they are compliant with the norms. 
so better practices, more transparency, uh, more disclosures, obviously is a good thing from a you know, customer engagement point of view. And uh, if the bad experiences that customers had been facing in terms of recoveries and harassment and um, bad interest rates, it too sort of reduced automatically by word of mouth or other gender experience. The customer experience is going to improve over the next couple of months. We have seen volume sort of drop over since the last two, three months or so because of these guidelines as the uh, companies were adapting to the restricting norms and as uh, the norms came into force and you know, a lot of companies had to stop uh, giving out, uh, had to you know, stop their business. But uh, in the medium to long term, it's definitely a good move because uh, anything that is better for customers, anything that uh, makes uh, lending easier and more transparent, I think will always be beneficial from the entire industry point of view. And I think much of, much of the larger and established was also agree that. Uh, so the big and established players also believe that uh, you know anything, if any um, any unwarranted growth, uh, just for the sake of growth or without any accountability, is going to have negative ramifications if the eventual experience for customers is negative or is uh, hurtful. So I think in the medium to long term, everybody expects this to be a good move, and uh, the industry hopes to get on track at least once some of these clarifications that are still pending come in and the regulations sort of stabilize because there has been a lot of disruptions over the last at least this one year um, due to the frequent uh, regulations that have come in. Okay, thank you very much for joining in this podcast and explaining the entire uh, RBI's new digital learning norms and its impact on businesses. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you listeners for listening to us. Hope we have answered your questions on the RBI's digital lending norms. Stay tuned until we get back to you in another podcast. This is Jaya Priyanka signing off.